Cardstruck with Clark and Alyssa. The world is less boring. KFC has gone out of business. The heir of Voldemort. Meet such enthralling characters as Voldemort and Ragnarok. <laughs> Voldemort, he who must not be named, and Tom Riddle. <laughs> oh, shoot. And their third sibling, Molginar. <laughs> yeah, that's Thor's hammer. Mjolnir. Molnir. Mjolnir. 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 <laughs> Meet their third brother, Mjolnir. Uh, hmm. That's as good a way to start as any, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. We're we're kind of in it now, aren't we? <sighs> we, are, we are on episode four of chapter, th- of, of book three. Oh, we're actually going into it. <laughs> we are. Why not? <laughs> are you, you do this to me all the time. I'm like, oh, shoot, really? Okay. <laughs> Well, really? I guess. Okay. I guess we're recording now. Yeah, so we are on chapters, what now? Seven and eight. Seven and eight. Mm. Mm. Sorry, once you get the movie voice going, it's a little hard to, to kick out of it. It's okay. It's, it's sort of like an accent where you sort of end mm. up mirroring whoever you're talking to. So if I keep my uh, vocal integrity over here, unlike mm-hmm. you who have, uh, you know, cheapened yourself into... <laughs> trailer voice <laughs> if i keep talking like this will you start talking like this yeah no i don't think so dang it shoot <laughs> there the are shot some that. things that are that are contagious mm. that is not one of them <laughs> i can already feel myself like cringing as i listen back to this while editing i'm gonna be like why why did i do that what is this feeling of is that shame is that shame <laughs> should i be ashamed of this <laughs> that's right like i like i always say it's a nerd podcast guys it's it's if if you like can't embrace like a little nerdiness and silliness, go go listen to S Town or something, <laughs> or maybe listen to S Town anyway, or maybe listen to S Town anyway because it's pretty good. Um, oh, so okay. Anyway, yeah, chapters seven and eight. Uh, should we talk about chapter seven? Yeah, then? I guess. Chapter seven is the Boggart in the wardrobe. The Boggart in the wardrobe. In a wardrobe. <laughs> Devoid of any Bogarts. Uh, so what happens? Yeah, um, yeah. So I really enjoyed this chapter. It was uh, Harry learns mm. Sirius Black was seen near Hogwarts during a particularly rough potions class. Then Gryffindors and their have their first Defense Against the Dark Arts class, where they learn how to defeat a Bogart. I also very much enjoyed this chapter. It was so like hands on, like you who always say that it's not really about the class. It's about like, it's not about the school. It's about the relationships and the magic. Like we get both really satisfyingly packed into this one, yeah, I think. Yeah. And and I think last chapter too, pretty well. But like to kind of slip into Snape's dungeon for potions and not really feel like we're getting a bunch of exposition of setup. We're like, okay, so remember Snape, Snape, that guy who's like not mm-hmm. that great. We're gonna set him up. We're gonna give him like an obnoxious speech at the beginning, and like, yeah, no, we're just gonna dive right into potions and see how Snape is fairly loathsome and evidence of Malfoy's 
just manipulative nature. Yeah. <laughs> and and really um to get I mean, what a clear picture of of Lupin this chapter. Mm-hmm. We really get to know how this guy is his teacher. The only problem is he's too good to be true, Alyssa. He's too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what what's what's well, where's I, the butt? I've developed a theory. Where's the poop? But I think it's it's the next chapter where he has Harry into his office, right? Right. Yeah. So I have a theory about Lupin that I can't that that we'll talk about in the next chapter. Got a theory. But there's Got a it. there's a twist with him that would explain a lot of things about him, including his name. Mm. Lupin. Mm. Uh JK Rowling is not subtle with some things, and I think Lupin is a very big hint towards something about this character. But anyway, in this chapter, <clears throat> Snape is absolutely deplorable the whole time. I don't know if you want to talk about Snape right away, but I—I I mean, that, that's what I had first on my list, partly because it was chronological. But, yeah. um, but for he's... me, I—I was—I was reading through it, and he's just like beaten down on Neville with the the shame and the fear mm-hmm. and all of that and making Ron and Harry do all of Malfoy's work for Malfoy and meanwhile not letting anyone help Neville. He just seems like a bad teacher. But you know what I was wondering? I was wondering how close to this how how close to Harry's eyes are we right now? And is it possible that we're getting it tinged through an extra feeling of persecution that Harry feels. So here's my question for you. Is it possible that Snape, instead of just being a horrible, shaming, not very successful teacher, was seeing Neville's orange potion that should be green as a real risk and danger? Mm. And, And rather than letting Neville go on without learning the stakes of getting it right, he decided we need to demonstrate what a shrinking solution done wrong actually looks like. Hmm. Is it possible? It is possible. That there was some like good teaching method in there because he then gets really upset with Hermione for helping Neville. And is it, is that because everyone else in the room did it right? And what Neville did was a really common mistake. And if none of them know how to recognize it, then they don't. Then they won't know how to deal with it. They won't know how to recognize it. Um. I, I, yes and no. I mean, Snape knew what went wrong because you know he kind of listed a couple things that he did wrong. And if he was willing to feed it to his toad, he knew that the toad wasn't going to die. But Harry doesn't know that. Harry thinks that Snape is evil. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, how dare you feed this terrible potion that isn't done right to our toad? Yeah. Like, uh. When really, like, it turned Trevor into a tadpole, which for the record, Mm -hmm. a shrinking potion should not make something regress. Yeah, it's not a de-aging. It's it's just to make smaller. Yeah, it should make... Yeah. Poorly named. Poorly named. (laughs) It's Un- a, unless, except for that was right. Like the way that Snape reacted to it, that was right. So, except he's, it, it would be fine if not for the personal insults of does nothing get through your thick skull? You were da 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 da. Yeah, and then, no, and then I, dragging it into another teacher's classroom. No, Snape has no class when it comes to stuff like that. And, no, and I think just I, I'm not um, pardoning him. I'm just trying to figure out 
is his intention malice or mm. is lacking kindness a byproduct of something else and he is somewhere trying to be a good teacher no i think at the end of the day the word that i keep coming back to with snape in my head is petty he's just petty he decides he doesn't like harry therefore harry can't do anything right now i mean the fact it'd be one thing if outside of the classroom he was cool because he's not you know okay outside of the classroom we can talk and be normal but realize when you're in my classroom you need to pay attention you need to follow the rules because there are consequences but like it even outside, he, he drags it into every other aspect of his life. He talks crap to their faces multiple times outside of the classroom. And I'm like, bro, do you really have nothing better to do than talk smack to a bunch of like 13-year-olds? Like really? You're just sitting there thinking, oh, that Neville, I hate that Neville. Like, bro, get a hobby. Like, what are you doing? Like, I know it's your job, so you tend to take it home with you, but like... If you really get that worked up that you just glare at this kid every time you see him and you just hate him so much, like, get a therapist. What is wrong with you? So my thing on, no, I, I think Snape is petty. I think that he really is just looking to make them feel bad, make them feel stupid. If he was trying to be a good teacher, try harder, honestly. <laughs> like, Because what you're doing is just demoralizing people. And though, I mean, him cutting up Malfoy's roots and, and swapping their roots, that was good. That he asked Weasley to help cut stuff up and help him prepare, and Weasley butchered it, and that introduces risk, and that's a problem. So you should make Weasley face the consequences. Absolutely. That was good. And like, yeah, Hermione whispering to his ear. How does, how does Neville learn from that? I, I totally agree with that. I, I think all of the elements of what Snape did in this, like every little piece you mm -hmm. could argue was in service of teaching these kids how to brew a potion and what to do and, and, and honestly how to be a better classmate, um, but, but not necessarily how to be a kinder classmate. Yeah. I think, I think his end goal is to to better equip them he just has a very different philosophy of what equipped looks like yeah and having people who have your back who are gonna cover your cover the gaps in your knowledge for you isn't equipped in his eye which yeah. as a teacher that like i agree with that that shouldn't be acceptable for you to just be able to skate by because other people are helping you out yeah so yeah Nah. It it was just it was interesting. I still think that his attitude is terrible and the public shaming is yeah. is awful. It's just unprofessional. And it doesn't and the problem is the problem isn't that he does it necessarily. The problem is that it's not received. Mm. Like even if that is your teaching tactic, your students have had you for 3 years and they're not learning that. They're yeah. not learning to be self-sufficient. Yeah. They're just grumbling at you they're just trying not to draw your attention i don't know and your whole goal is just not to catch the teacher's gaze probably not a good teacher yeah but i want to talk about the bogart yeah and lupin because he actually like is fun to talk about oh lupin is he's such an interesting he's, he's such a quick study mm. like i love that he hasn't even had his class for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and he's already I forget what it is that Dean says. 
Dean points something out and he's like, yeah, excellent, Dean. And like, com- like compliments him or like responds to him by name. Yeah. And then, um, and then Snape tells Lupin, oh man, you've got, you've got Neville in your class. Like better watch out. Mm. Like he's a moron. And, and Lupin turns around and he's like, I, I, that's funny. I was planning on asking Neville to help me with this. So like he knows this class and he's barely had them. Yeah. And I thought that was, that was really impressive. I, um, at, uh, the camp that I worked at for a couple of years, our, our director was very, very much stressed the importance of knowing your cabin's name, your, all of your campers names mm-hmm. before you met them. Because like that communicates to them an an immediate importance mm-hmm. of of mm-hmm. not just like you're a nameless person that I eventually need to know, but no, you are already known to a degree. Yeah, and I I always I, I kind of doubted it when I was in that position, but now like I hear that I see that in Lupin's class of like oh my gosh you don't even know these kids but you know them already. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I did that for a class that I helped teach. I don't know if I ever told you about this. Did I tell you I taught a baking class to a bunch of middle schoolers? <laughs> no, like a, lay it on me. Like, tell me all about it. Just for like, what'd six you months. bake? What was it? Pumpkin flavored? Oh, we did all sorts of stuff. It was pumpkin flavored, wasn't it? No, we never did pumpkin anything. Sorry. You just seem like someone who would bake something pumpkin flavored. I poppy seeds were there poppy seeds. I if I'm baking something with pumpkin, it's going to be pumpkin chocolate uh, bread. Pumpkin Nutella bread is pretty bomb. Is it? Yeah, that sounds good. Anyway, I feel like you'd have to do the you'd have to roll it up like a cinnamon roll and bake it in the pan like that so it's swirled. It's um, but it's, it's a loaf pan. It's, it's a, marbled, so you do it in loaves and then you like half halfway through the batter you spread on some yeah, Nutella yeah, yeah. and, and use you, a you fork it fork a little it. bit. Nice. And then you put the other half on and fork it a little more. Hmm. No, we did all sorts of stuff. We did cookies and muffins and pretty easy stuff <laughs> so all sorts of things so this was like this was a regular thing that you did it was an after school program wow I was, my friend rebecca talked me into it um i enjoyed spending time with her baker so i signed up for a class to teach middle schoolers baking mm. baker clark yeah i like baking <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but I actually remembered everybody's name and, and Rebecca hadn't studied all their names and stuff. So she'd always be coming over and she's like, what's that little girl's name? And I'd be going around. I'm like, yeah, Pearl, you're killing it. Yeah. And then, and then I'm like, you know, Lindsay, chill out with the sprinkles. That was asked to last for like six people. And it was really helpful. People actually listened and responded. I mean, this seems obvious. If you know people's names, they respect you more. It's It seems obvious, but I think only if you've experienced it. Yeah. I like honestly in college I didn't I doubted the value of this. Really? So oh. I, I I I mean I didn't really doubt that it would be useful mm. but I doubted the severity of the alternative. Oh if that makes sense. Yeah. Of like, well it's it's okay if I learn it. And it's really hard. It's really hard to remember, you know, fourteen names mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you haven't seen any faces yet. Yeah. Yeah. I made a New Year's resolution four years ago that I would stop saying, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just bad with names. What's your name again? Mm -hmm. To someone, like, I actively made the decision of, like, you know what? When someone tells me their name, 
I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to look at their face and listen to their name and store it away somewhere and not be bad with names because I'm pretty sure this is me being lazy, not actually something wrong with my brain. I'm not Has saying Has that worked? Oh, massively. Yeah? Yeah. What? You've you've forgotten no names? No, I no no no. I mean I went from about like a 30% retention rate to about an 80% retention rate. Massive improvement. I heard once a trick which has helped me a lot. And Mm. it's when you ask what someone's name is, Mm -hmm. you pay attention to their eye color. Whoa. And I think the, um, the underlying trick there is... I am not asking you what your name is and then immediately thinking about whatever my response is after I am focusing on that person. And then the, the trick was if like five minutes later you can remember what their eye color is, you can probably also remember their name. Huh? Interesting. So it's, it's really just a, it's a focusing technique. It's it's giving you a focal point of this is this person Mm -hmm. who has blue eyes and oh yeah, her name is Becca. (laughs) Like, huh? Who doesn't have blue eyes? She has brown eyes, but still. <laughs> Depends on the Becca, I guess. <laughs> um, but what it, if you get lost in their eyes? Um, that's way more <laughs> of a risk for you because you have such like tiny eyes. Oh, <laughs> thanks. I yeah, I'm I'm like perma squinting. My parents. I think eye contact is really uncomfortable, actually. Yeah. And so the risk of that is is pretty rare Mm. um pretty low but i heard i heard that technique once i i decided a couple of years ago as well not to intentionally be a better rememberer of names Mm -hmm. but instead to not shame myself or others for not remembering names oh that's a good one too yeah yeah of like there are people who who like they're afraid to ask someone someone's name again because i've already asked them like every time it's like okay you are recognizing in yourself a problem of you're not remembering that person's name Mm -hmm. so either ask them again and do it just plainly Mm -hmm. and prioritize remember remembering it or like don't beat yourself up for not remembering it yeah it's people are more than names in the same way that names are powerful names are only a fraction of a person yeah and they're also huge hints as to what secrets could could be about a character yep (laughs) like like that hairy kid Mm -hmm. all sorts of hair so much hair so much hair it's bedhead unruly all the time hmm so a bogart a Bogart in the wardrobe. How about that? So Clark. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> We're stuck. We're rut, rut. We're looping. We're looping. Oh, no. We're looping looping. <laughs> it's all too much. Uh Lupin oh, is a very God. good professor. He remembers people's names. He praises them. Um he he helped harry save face in a way that probably worked maybe nobody seemed to pick up on it because everyone was just so distracted with how they did and they were so excited like nobody i i I don't think there was chatter of like did anybody notice that harry didn't do his fear like i feel like he like lupin handled the whole situation with the bogart so well and even let snape get made fun of (sighs) 
Yeah. My my question about the Harry thing. Mm. Um, and I don't know if this has if if this is has something to do with the fact that they weren't even really sitting in their desks mm-hmm. before they left the classroom and were off to learn about the Boggart. Um but I feel like that conversation about what which happens in the next chapter, but we're we're kind of like, yeah, they kind of have to go together a yeah, little bit. Do um, where where Harry asks Lupin like why you didn't let me fight the Boggart, and he says, "Well, I figured it would be Lord Voldemort." Yeah, I feel like that's a conversation that you should try to have before you present a kid in your class with the opportunity to face Lord Voldemort you in know, whatever form, maybe. And I, and maybe it just it's just because that was the first class, and it seems sort of spur of the moment how they ended up with a Boggart anyway. Yeah, he had one day warning. You know, but still, like, maybe that's a thing where you then reach out to Professor McGonagall and say, "Hey, this is like your kid. Yeah, like, you're you're his head of house. Should I talk to him about this?" And she would probably say, "Oh, Harry would be fine. Like, either Harry would be Harry would be fine, or Harry would be fine if you talked to him." Yeah. Either way, I think she would give him a pretty no nonsense answer. But just assuming that this kid can't handle it Mm -hmm. it is i would argue not a great teaching tactic i don't know maybe but then again maybe he read on harry's face the trepidation as he was imagining the dementor yeah and thinking oh whatever he's got brewing is going to be terrifying and it must be voldemort i think he handled it very well at the end of the day even if he were to ask mcgonagall even if he were to ask harry harry lies to adults constantly like, hey, Harry, I'm going to do this thing, you know, <sighs> darkest fears, you're going to be okay. Harry would be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm great. Like, it, nothing he could have done would have changed it. He was super new to the school. He doesn't know these people. He doesn't know everything. I think it's best that he just kind of gets in there and, like, I, I think he just handled it really well, personally. Especially, he had one day warning. I don't know, like, it was fine. It was fine. And he didn't let Hermione go either. And I'm sure there were a couple classmates we didn't even hear about that didn't go. Like, it's just, yep, the, there were six people. And then he's like, all right, that's enough of that. Glad you know. And, and people just, just kind of went away. I think if, like, I don't know. And, and assuming it was Voldemort, probably a safe assumption. Like, I don't know. I, I, I thought he handled it really well, personally. Put yourself in Harry's shoes. Eh, Harry whines too much, man. Fine. <laughs> oh, you didn't get to do the class activity, poor baby. Like, put yourself in Hermione's shoes. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't think his issue is I didn't get to do the class activity. I think Harry is very sensitive to people thinking that he's afraid of things, especially this book. Yeah. Because from day one on the train, he's been mocked across the school for overreacting in a lot of students eyes to the dementors the embodiment of fear uh yeah i suppose that's true Harry, so I, I think he's very sensitive of being coddled because of that exhibition of fear especially because lupin was in the same room yeah and and that that like thought that he has that does he think i can't take it does yeah. he think i can't handle it to a Gryffindor? Excuse me. He's going to, like, uh, come back extra hard at that. And probably more people will regret not letting him give a first chance. Because he's got that same sort of uh, 
blunder that the Gryffindors have. In my mind, though, that's a problem with Harry, not with Lupin. That's yeah. that's Harry's problem, and especially because, like, at the end of the day, Lupin doesn't know what any of these people's darkest fears are. For all he knows, five people in that classroom are deeply terrified of Voldemort. Like, he just doesn't know. He All he knows is the Bogart came in yesterday. He's going to give this thing a try. If he senses that something might go wrong, he's just going to step in and completely avoid it. But for the most part, he's going to let it roll. Um, because really, Voldemort, it's serious black. Anything could have appeared on for any of those kids. So he just, he did what he could, spur the moment. Sometimes someone feels snuffed. Sorry about it. Like, what can you do, right? And... You're never going to make everyone happy. If a Dementor had appeared, then people would be like, I can't believe this guy made a Dementor appear. Oh, what a stupid teacher. And Malfoy would have been like, I'm calling my father. Even though <laughs> Malfoy wasn't in this class, was he? We didn't no. see Malfoy's here. As uh, far as I know, this is, I mean, usually. Well, no, Malfoy was in the class because no. he was. No. Oh. He was in, he was in potions. Mm, and he's care for magical creatures too. Yes. Yeah. But usually these core subjects are shared with another house, but it didn't sound like this had any other house involved. I thought Lavender is a Hufflepuff. No, she's Gryffindor. Hey, Lavender's cool. They keep mentioning her by name, which means something's going to happen to her. Well, that's not this chapter. <laughs> but... <laughs> it's not next chapter either. But uh, anytime they said her name like three separate times during this chapter, and I'm like, well, oh, they want us to remember that one. Uh <laughs> that's that's how it goes right Chekhov's lavender um so, so my my question about the boggart mm-hmm. um is she sort of is mm. joanne sort of pulling on the theory of schrodinger's cat with this boggart yeah totally and like that that occurred to me and i was like hmm, this is a thing 13 year old me did not know <laughs> <laughs> schrodinger's cat yeah uh i this whole thing and the fact that we've been able to have this the fact that we have this much more to say about these little instances just goes to show that she's writing such a more complex story mm-hmm. higher level higher sure. level story and this is written for an older audience and she's a better writer because really like yeah we've we're very good at talking stuff into the ground but at least there's like genuine there's no real right answer like there's actually just room for conversation around these topics um but yeah i think it was an interesting way to yeah schrodinger's cat the whole idea of it only exists if you let it exist, if you give it a chance to exist, this weird thing. Yeah. It. What did you think about people's deepest, darkest fears being like a mummy and being like a dis, like a hand that's separated from the body and stuff like that? Like, I think that is indicative of the, the, the caricatures that our our deepest fears are at a young age. Because mm. if I think about me at 13, mm-hmm. it's a very different fear from where I am right now. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think. Like, spiders might be up there for when I was 13. Spiders are freaky. Yeah. And now it's probably much more like a <laughs> overwhelming fear of failure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, watching your own funeral as people are like, we don't have much to say about this person. They didn't do that much with their lives. Anyway, go home with your black umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah. Like a yeah. little, little bit of that. Something. Like, yeah. Like everything that I do is horribly, horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. 
But even then, I don't know. Yeah, nobody watched their family die in a car accident or anything like that. This was about as mild as it gets. Yeah, that 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 is that to me is the argument for him shielding Harry, not to shield Harry. Yeah. But, but to shield Harry from the awareness of everyone else in that class knowing what this very public child. Yeah. deeply fears. For sure. For sure. Like even if it's not Voldemort, everyone has theories on what Harry's life is like. And mm. Stan Shunpike asks Harry, what's that on your forehead? Like there, are no, there are no boundaries in this world. And so if we break down that one more actually private barrier, yeah, like I'm not, maybe Lupin couldn't live with that. Like maybe he doesn't want to be the reason that there's one fewer thing that Harry has for himself. So I just thought of a question <clears throat> for you. Is this, would you find it appropriate if if somebody had brought all the students to the mirror of Irised and had them look into it and all the other students could see it? Well, all the other students can't see the mirror, mirror of Irised. If Arisa. they could, if they could. I think, I think a class like that or something like that should be in a lot of ways an elective. Like sort of like... Uh, in college, one of my one of my roommates was in a like senior level acting class that like from the very beginning, the professor talked to them about like, this is a personal storytelling class. Like you yeah. are going to get raw with these people. You need to learn to trust them. Like Dan's acting classes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that sort of and like same with my um, creative writing courses. We had we had some of that stuff of mm-hmm. like. We're going to really dig in deep with each other. So you need to like look around the room and grapple with the fact that these are people you're you're you need to trust and you need to be trusting with and trustworthy of. Do you think Defense Against the Dark Arts is anything like that? I think it because this is like in my mind that's that's the thing. The your deepest darkest fear is incredibly personal. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like going into a a public counseling session right there. Yeah. And, and he's doing it on the first day. So my argument would be you need to sit these kids down and 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 either build up to the Boggart where you have sort or already established that trust mm-hmm. and seen what that dynamic looks like or somehow have that conversation with a bunch of 13-year-olds, which I think would be really hard. Yeah. The only uh, argument I have against that is the fact fact that i'm pretty sure is a fact that it was just gryffindors in this classroom oh so okay they all live together they are in almost every class together now mm-hmm. they have been in every class before this year together mm. so they already do have some bonds and trust they're rooting for each other yeah yeah and they're and they're teammates like you pit houses of just normal students against each other for this ha- house cup that Clark doesn't care about. Mm. <laughs> and, it's, a, it's a terrible stupid but th- thing. But they're all like going toward this end goal of them being victorious. And so they, they already have that dynamic established. And so that's my only argument maybe for this was okay. Mm. But I, if, if I were coming into that, like if this were some sort of, if this were first year, definitely not. Yeah, no. If this were with any other house present, also definitely not hmm. without some form of warm up like bonding couple of weeks or days or something yeah, to establish yeah. that 
So quick yes or no. Mirror of Irised, if everyone could see it, would that be uh, would that be appropriate for this class, or would that be uh, like a step too far? For this class, mm-hmm. like these people in this classroom, the Gryffindors who just handled the Bogart. Yeah. I think based on how they handled the Bogart, I think they could handle the Mirror of Erised. Cool. Especially on, under a controlled environment like that. Mm-hmm. My only concern is the same thing that Dumbledore said, which is it was it, it it's consuming. Yeah, they'd get a bunch of mirror junkies and, and the whole fleet would be out trying to search the school for it. So like it would have to be a situation of I'm showing you this thing and we're destroying it. Well, yeah, I think they would probably whatever they did to the mirror of Irised, which I'm assuming is some sort of like it's a it's a sprying. No, what is it called? Sprying ritual? I think it is sprying. I'm unfamiliar with this. Scrying. There we go. Scrying ritual. Um, like what you would do in a pool of water if you wanted to see what people are doing far away. Um, I think they would just do it like in a pool of water and do the ritual. And then when it was gone, drop a rock in there and it would be gone forever. Scrying. It's hmm. another fantasy term. A divination tool. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Speaking of. Yeah, divination. Uh, so Bogart, wow, a lot to say on that subject. So Clark, yeah, what would your Bogart be? What would my Bogart be? My deepest fear? Oh boy, oh boy. Jeez, uh, you don't, don't have to answer if you don't want to. No, but. I don't know. I mean, it'd, it'd probably be a pretty core human fear. You know, it's like someone truly knowing you for who you really are deep down inside, with no walls, and then like totally spurning you because of that and like no longer being able to love you now that they know you stuff like that and it's someone that you like really care about and you really want their love and they then they just kind of like no now that i've seen who you are i, I simply cannot love you fear of rejection <laughs> rejection after vulnerability <laughs> yeah it's a real thing pretty did common you, pretty common uh, yeah did you ever read the divergent series i did not no there's spoiler there's <laughs> spoiler for the divergent series by who Veronica Roth. Veronica Ross. Uh, Roth. R-O-T-H. Roth. Uh, fears are a, a big factor in that. And and the main character has a couple of core fears that you get to know. And one of those is that fear of vul- rejection after being vulnerable with someone. And it's mm. like after all of these like intense, very like physical, horrifying yeah. fears, this one other thing, it's like, whoa, that's like a whole different brand of fear. Like, yeah. whoa. Actually, though, I think having some of my friends pass would be actually way, way more traumatizing to me. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, life is full of rejection. I could get over it. I have coping mechanisms to deal with rejection, you know, but like losing people, like that, like breaks a person for like a long time. So like, yeah, probably losing some people in my life would be pretty big. Anyway, what's your Bogart? Melissa well, Small. I kind of already said, I think. Oh, um, okay. Might might be just like overwhelming failure. Yeah. Um, the, the other would probably be just like utter loneliness, mm. being entirely alone. Mm. But I'm pretty good at being alone, so that's why I think it might be the uh, the failure one. The failure. Fear of failure. Mm. So good class. Good job, Mm -hmm. Lupin. 
Yeah, for real. Knocked out of the park. And Hermione's. Yeah, I, yeah, I see I have a question here. What would Hermione's be? Yeah, because we didn't get to see hers. We saw Ron's. We have an idea of what Harry's would be. Mm-hmm. And then Ron kind of joked, oh, it's a, a paper that's a 9 out of 10, right? I think hers absolutely would be some form of like rejection as a result of failure. I think it would be losing your magic. See, I think, I think similarly to how in the beginning of the Philosopher's Stone, she knows everything. She's read everything cover to cover. Mm-hmm. She is... I think she's deeply concerned with being rejected because of who she is. Yeah, yeah. And and not because she doesn't have the skills. It's her skills don't even matter. You are not worth it. Yeah. I think that's her fear is for that to be true. Which is why she's trying to make herself like indispensable. Yeah. Yeah. And she's succeeding and she's incredible. Like she's absolutely indispensable. But she, she's like the best character in the whole book ever. I think that that is a byproduct of her deepest fear hmm huh funny how the best things about us can sometimes be byproducts of our greatest fear humanity humanity hmm what was your favorite quote Alyssa Small favorite quotes I don't have mine picked out so I'm just gonna kind of pick mine yep I knew it Mm-hmm. Oh, you, that was your. Oh, that was mine too. Great. <laughs> I loved that quote. Oh, such right? a good quote. So, how about chapter eight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mine was on page one thirty-three. If I can just get to it, there we go. Um, on page one thirty-three, it's Lupin's description of the Boggart. Uh, that I thought I had a really hard time picking a favorite quote in this chapter Mm. like really hard it's a good chapter it was a good chapter but it wasn't overwhelmingly pretty how it was written Mm. i didn't think so um yeah so professor lupin describes what boggarts are boggarts like dark enclosed spaces said professor lupin wardrobes the gap beneath beds the cupboard under sinks I've even met one that had lodged itself in a grandfather clock. (laughs) This one moved in yesterday afternoon, and I asked the headmaster if the staff would leave it to give my third years some practice. So I just sort of love the, like, he he comes up with a whole variety of nooks and crannies that your, your boggart could be. It's like, yeah, I, there's something whimsical, but also pedestrian about it. And and I love the the grandfather clock specificity. Yeah, and it it shows that he's done his research too. And it it just I don't know it, I think that's it's an interesting little piece of world building that Joanne threw in there. I guess I am going to piggyback off of your quote a little bit. I know a little bit because called it knew it. Well, thief. because he was talking about what the Bogarts can turn into, and. I'm a bug guy, so I liked that he was talking about slugs. But he said on page, she said on page 134, she, he, Joanne, using the voice of Lupin, said, uh, it's always best to have company when you're dealing with a Bogart. He becomes confused. What should he become, a headless corpse or a flesh-eating slug? I once saw a Bogart make that very mistake. Tried to frighten two people at once and turned himself into half a slug. Not remotely frightening. <laughs> Which I would argue maybe would be frightening. <laughs> Could very well be frightening. Like maybe. Depends on how big the slug is. I guess it depends on who whose fear it is. 
Like, I think it would just throw Ron back to being, you know, remember that time you puked slugs for like six hours and he'd be like, Mm. which isn't exactly a fear. It's probably more of a just revulsion. Yeah. But either way, I guess we should blow through real quick. They also acknowledge Hermione's not telling them something. She's zipping around in space and time because she has a contraption that lets her do that. Uh, Malfoy hinted that, like, like we guessed, like there's something about Snape that Harry doesn't know, and if he did know, he might go after Snape. Uh, Malfoy hinted at that. Uh, also, S- Snape. Sorry, not Snape. Um, Sirius Black. Because Malfoy's like, don't you know? Oh, you should really be going after him. If I knew that, I'd be going after him. Uh, Is he posturing? He's always posturing. He's a terrible person. There's nothing about this book that makes him even slightly redeemable. If he were to, like, die tomorrow, I'd be sad it wasn't Colin. But then I'd actually be happy that it was Draco. So where does Malfoy learn whatever this is about Sirius Black? He's an eavesdropper. Probably listens in on his dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. yeah. So I figured we should acknowledge that because it will probably come up in the future. <laughs> so chapter eight, right? Chapter eight, Flight of the Fat Lady. Flight of the Fat Lady. Which always reminds me of Flight of the Valkyries. <laughs> um, uh, so what happens in this chapter is Quidditch starts mm. and everyone heads to Hogsmeade except for Harry. Mm. And Harry spends his day with Professor Lupin. And then after that, the Halloween... There's the Halloween feast, and then the Gryffindors learn that the fat lady has been attacked, potentially by Sirius Black. If you believe the uh, poltergeist fella. Yeah, which, I mean, agent of chaos, so maybe not. Yeah. Let's start there. (laughs) Let's (laughs) start with... Was the fat lady attacked by Sirius Black? Very well could have been. Um... (laughs) It's such a non-answer. You do that all the time. I do. Well, I it's mean, certainly possible. Certainly a thing. I mean, we're halfway through the book, right? We're a third of the way. We're a third of the way. So, no. No? No, I'm going with a no. Um, hard no. Hard no, because they've already done the whole the bad guy's lurking in the walls of Hogwarts. He's in here. Oh, you just just wait for him to pop out. Just wait until he goes down that third floor corridor. Like, I'm so sick of them finding villains tucked away into the school, just waiting with the waiting with their plan. And if but serious, it's Hogwarts. It has, like, uncharted nooks and crannies. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see that throughout. It, like, grows wings <laughs> on summer vacation. This is true. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think... Sirius Black probably maybe has someone inside doing that for him. Hmm. Maybe he's possessed someone. Maybe it's Colin Creevy. Maybe we should take him out just in case. Uh, <laughs> Colin Creevy, who made his first appearance this chapter? Mm-hmm. Did you mark that? Yeah, just as lovable as ever. 152 pages in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. So this chapter talks about Quidditch. It talks about Colin Creevy. And I tuned out in, until the conversation with Lupin. Because that's when it starts to get good. But is Sirius Black in school? No. Something else is slashing up the fat lady on behalf of Sirius Black. I don't think he's quite made it past the Dementors yet. Though, of course, anything's possible. I mean, he's already made it past them once. That's true. That's true. Uh, I think... Yeah, it's really hard to say. We'll find out pretty quick. <laughs> Halfway through, maybe. 
halfway through maybe if he's hiding in the third floor corridor i'll be kind of annoyed unless they put him to sleep with a flute because that'd be pretty funny well we've <laughs> we've done second floor girls bathroom mm-hmm. yeah and third floor corridor yeah so either we're we're moving down mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll be the main floor or something else something else we'll see we'll see it'd be cool if it happened off grounds too well, though we've already done the forest. Oh, did we? Oh, we didn't talk about Hagrid's class last chapter. That's okay. That's in this chapter. Oh, that's in this chapter. That's in this chapter. Oh, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. Hagrid's lost his gusto. Poor Hagrid's lost his confidence. Poor Hagrid. He's not fired, though. He's not fired. Bro. Bro. And he's definitely not going to get fired teaching flobberworms. <laughs> yeah, but he's not going to have many people. This is not what he was born for, man. Yeah, man, if you can't get Harry to at least, like, be a good sport yeah. in your class, which, granted, he's being a good sport, but, like, like it, it, the the line that, like, Hagrid's fat class was the worst or something is, yeah. like, oh, like, first year, you come out so strong, and then Malfoy screws it up, and then... Even though I don't know how... Overcorrect. I don't know how everybody in the world couldn't call Malfoy on his bull. I mean, we have people literally regrowing arm bones, like full arm bones because that crappy teacher took out all of his arm bones. Like it when when there's stuff where you can just fix it up in a day or two, how can Malfoy really convince anyone that this is a life-changing injury that that is worth making a fuss over? I mean, they they let kids just fly up 50 feet in the air in a broom and fall down, and they're just like, eh, whatever. We don't have a feather fall spell because this universe is weird. I <sighs> here's here's my counter argument. Mm. Um, think of all of the times in our world that people will lie about their pain to get more medication. Yeah. Yeah, Malfoy sucks. This is exactly what he's doing. He's lying about his level of pain. Yeah, yeah. Because clearly, his his wounds are healed, but pain is a thing that can't really be measured by an external source. Yeah, and humans aren't super reliable about conveying it either. Last time I was in the hospital and I had to get morphined up, they're like, do you need more morphine? And I'm like, no, I'm good. And then eventually they're like, dude, you're not good. You're actually not good. And they give me like three more doses. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And then I was good. (laughs) See, last time I was in the hospital and they were asking about pain, I was like, I don't, like, it's worse than I've ever felt, but I know it's not as bad as it could be. That's exactly it. I'm like, I'm not, all my limbs are attached. I'm fine. It's like, I may be mildly concussed, but Mm. like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's still like one of the worst pains I've ever felt. Yeah. But like, Okay, how do I gauge that then? Because I don't know what the actual, like, I'm terrified of what the full end of the spectrum is. Yeah. And I think that it's a lot farther away than what I am now. But still, what I am now is, like, it's it's severe enough that I'm here. Yeah. It's like, I wouldn't be here if it was just, like, a like a five. So. so. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So there's, there's that human inability to, and Malfoy is probably, like, handled with great delicacy mm. in his life. And so he doesn't even really know his limits of pain either maybe i'm wrong you don't know your limits of pain that's right uh it is sad that they've had more experience with magical creatures in their botany class than in agrid's class that's pretty sad uh or in their defense against their dark arts class really 
Yeah, that Here's too. There's the the Grindelow and the Hinky Punk and the Red Kappa. And... Bless you. Yeah, uh, the Red Kappa. What a dark blood gremlin. Mm. Well, and the and the Grindelow, who is about the same kind, except for has horns and maybe teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but does about the same thing. Is that the one that wants to strangle people in ponds? Yes, that's terrifying. Look, looks for people lurking in shallow water. Man, note to self: never go there. Beware the Grindelow. Mm. You ever seen Baba Duke? No, I don't it's, know what that is. Oh, it's a fascinating horror movie. It's one of those like. Um, uh, that's why I haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> I I I go through horror movies like I graze them, like I will just skip all the stupid boring parts of people talking, and I'll go to the tense part, and then I'll skip a bunch of the talking. And I'll just pretty much watch all the fun stuff, <laughs> and then I won't even watch it. I'll kind of like look away and listen to it. Um, <laughs> suspense is like 95 percent of a horror movie (laughs) yeah but most see this is this is the thing and and this is what i try to tell dan most movies are just bad (laughs) most movies are real bad people don't talk the way people talk people don't make motions with their hands the way people like like it it feels like a bunch of people acting in front of a camera uh, oh. all it ever is so it's like can You're we maddening. just can we just acknowledge <laughs> that like most movies suck unless it's by like francis ford coppola or like uh <laughs> i was i was having this conversation uh-huh. with my roommate um because we just saw wonder woman yeah hey i just did too uh Good stuff and my mom asked me about it and i told her it was it was really good. I liked it. Yeah. I had some problems with the writing, but yeah. on the whole, it was pretty good. And my mom's response was, that's always your answer. <laughs> there is always something wrong with the writing. You always have that problem. But that was especially true for Wonder it was, Woman. <laughs> ooh, it was like my roommate and I basically yeah. rewrote the ending, and it was way better. And yeah. at the end, she was like, why don't we do this? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> to which I responded, movies are a lot easier to write when they're already written. Way easier. But she would be a great script doctor. Um, anyway, mm. that's... But then we, we had this conversation that followed up that of, like, what are truly perfect movies in our in our eyes mm. that you would change nothing about? And the list is very short, but I can come up with things. Yeah. There are things on that list. Hmm. So, but it's probably true. If if, if you're going by that <laughs> algorithm, yeah. like, it, it, is it either they're perfect and you would change nothing or they're terrible? Then, yeah, probably about 5% are perfect and all the rest are terrible. But I think that there's a lot more gray area there, Clark. Oh yeah, I think there's that. a whole. I think there's a whole category of worth watching, where like Wonder Woman falls in, where it's like worth watching, and then there's for me there's one step up worth going to the theater for. And, and that's Wonder like Woman wasn't up. that. I went to the theater. I know, um, but if that's a step up from worth watching, it is worth going to the theater for, if only because the theater. <laughs> helps it uh i i think there was enough detail and attention paid to wonder woman that you really benefit from being able to see more with your eyes to being able to soak in more screen space to be able to soak in more details because they paid such close attention to details except with their writing uh but visually i think i believe in love oh man Ugh. 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 
anyway, all that to say, Bogart, scary. Water demon, scary. Bogart Red sounds Kappas. like Babadook. Red Kappas. Red Kappa Kappa down. Uh, what Let's were we, we on were, about? This we is why we have notes. Hey, Grid. <laughs> we were talking about perfect... How did we get on perfect movies? One thing that I wanted to say, which I know you probably don't even really want to talk about, but Quidditch is, is a... Like, there was an unnecessary paragraph of exposition that I'm sure was necessary if you've never picked up a Harry Potter book. But for all the rest of us, you yeah. could easily skim and or even entirely skip because this is how Quidditch works, mm-hmm. which obviously we're going to see some eventually. And we're just trying to get that explanation out of the way as quickly as possible, which I appreciate that they try to do it quickly rather than Harry yeah. panting while explaining it to another first year. It's the first chapter of every Animorphs book. That's OK. Yeah. But one thing that I loved about introducing the reader to all of the Gryffindor players mm-hmm. was rather than like describing who's doing what or showing them during practice, yeah, you see doing... Oliver Wood have like write <sighs> a live love letter to his team to the point that he almost forgets that he's an, a part of it. Yeah. He's just such a like passionate believer in his teammates. And it was like... Over the top and absurd, yeah. but I still loved it. I was still like, I believe that you are 100% on board yep. for all of these people, and you believe that you have the best chasers and beaters and seeker in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. world. In the world. And when you got Harry Potter, you legitimately thought, this is it. This is it. And like he's, got it. he's like crying because yeah. we haven't won the Quidditch Cup. And it's like, yeah. and man. It- and in my mind, I don't care what the book says. They were all in a pub and they all had pints and everyone was raising their pints and clinking and drinking and, and someone kissed someone on the cheek and they're like, you're the best beater out there. And it, like in my mind, this whole thing just took place with, with beers and celebration and in a, in a fun space. And because it, that was a nice moment. It was really like... That is my favorite Quidditch-related moment. It was it was a little overwrought, but I bought it. I was yeah. still in. Yeah. He loves them so much. He it's does. just so great. Yeah. <laughs> and so, then like yeah, we'll talk about that a little more in my favorite quote, which I didn't write down. Sorry. Um but yeah, Quidditch she handled that very well. That whole thing handled very well. Like a dream. Like a dream. Like love which changes the world. It's worth living for. <laughs> so then um, after that, I'm not really sure if they're in charms or in transfiguration or something, but I think it's transfiguration. They're mm-hmm. in that. And then after the class, Harry asks Professor McGonagall if she'll please sign his permission slip, which proves that Harry will go to no... No length, like any length, any length yeah. at all. Yeah. There's, there's no shame. Does he not really. matter who he could ask, he's gonna ask him if they will please sign his permission slip to go to Hogsmeade. <laughs> Which he should have known. He should have known going in. McGonagall, mm-hmm. like if mm-hmm. I can't get the Minister of Magic to sign, Professor McGonagall's not gonna sign. She's historically a rule bender for harry but yeah. uh, that's that's there's there's a paper trail there <laughs> yeah. i guess you could say uh he tried to make them sign for hogsmeade and they said no 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
yes, there's Sirius Black. And when he comes back, you'll know. No, no. So <clears throat> it's good stuff. Good stuff. He can't go to Hogsmeade. Everyone talks about Hogsmeade. They come back from Hogsmeade. They have the hall, blah, blah, blah. Crookshanks. They bring, uh, they bring a bunch of treats for Harry, which was so sweet. It was so sweet. I was like, you know, if all of my friends had gone on a field trip without me, I wouldn't want them to be bummed that I wasn't there the whole time, but mm-hmm. I would want them to think of me and maybe bring something back for me. Yeah, like, it was really nice. That's a good a good way to take care of your people, I yeah. think. They're good friends. They really are. Even when they fight over cats and animals and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't help, though, that... F- Harry just had it rubbed in time and time again. What? You're not going to Hogsmeade? What? No, Hogsmeade? Oh, Hogsmeade. Uh, Filch, who was trying to get rid of him. and Filch, who was being a huge jerk and telling him to go to the common room where you belong. Like, excuse me? Go to the muggle world where you belong. Oh, ouch. Oh. Ouch. Sorry. Ever since he um, wasn't also a cat, I've looked at him quite differently. It is a much sadder existence that he lives now that he is not mm-hmm. splitting his time as a cat, as a furry creature. It would have been cool. I'm just still a little, still a little hurt. It by was it. a great head cannon. It was it was one of the better head cannons I've heard in this in this story. <laughs> um, and then Colin Creevy also rubbed it in. He's like, "Come hang out with us." And Harry's like, <laughs> "I've already somewhere. lived second year. Um, I'm not doing it again." I'm cool, bros. Oh. I'm way good. It's like if someone asks you to like go to their high school graduation, you're like, no, 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 no. I don't even want to go to mine, arguably. <laughs> so why would I go to yours? Yeah, good Oy. stuff. Um, and then there's there's this sort of curious moment that you maybe didn't even notice, but I noticed it because Hermione was just chastised hmm. for helping Neville. Oh. And then in the common room, when Harry and Ron are lamenting that Harry can't go to Hogsmeade before they go, um, Ron offers Harry, hey, you can copy my star chart if you want to. Oh, yeah. And Harry, like, looks at it, and I'm pretty sure he does it. Like, I'm pretty sure he uses it, at least as a guide. And Hermione just sits by and does nothing. And I'm like, you were just chastised and lost house points. Yeah. For doing basically this, and like you're gonna let them keep uh, cheating. Hermione like, chooses your battles. It was it was interesting. It was it was, I think, telling of her character because she does she seems like a by the book rule abider, but it's times like these that you learn that she's not militant about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important trait to there's note. A, there's another Hermione thing that got me, too. Hmm. I forget what it is. I'll, I'll bring it back another thing. But Hermione's not... Um, she's a more complex character. Like, it, it, Joanne's really not painting her into a corner, which is nice. Because she's caricaturing so many people, like Malfoy like Snape. Snape's a more complex character. I'm, I'm sure of it. Malfoy? I don't think so. He'll probably have a redemption moment at some point in the book because everyone wants a redemption moment for the deplorable guy. We all want to believe that he's changed and gets it now and can just go along with it. But for now, he's just character. Snape's just character. But Hermione is already a, a, a 
complex character. Mm. And uh, so is Lupin, honestly, just based off of their their interview or him bringing Harry into his office and talking to him and, and, and being honest with him and forthright and being the Dumbledore of this book. He is, I, I was reading through that scene and my first thought was, oh my gosh, is Lupin the school counselor that Harry has always needed? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he asks Harry what's wrong and Harry finally learns that I can tell an adult. Yeah. And he does. And he does. And he, it, he he confesses that, like, it bothered me that I want to know why you didn't let me fight the Boggart. Mm-hmm. And, and confesses to Lupin with words rather than showing him with yeah. a Boggart what his, what his greatest fear is, which is a very... It doesn't read as a super vulnerable moment. But it's totally a super vulnerable moment. But it moment. is. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he kind of couches it in just, like... We're talking about class, but the reality is like we're talking about Harry's greatest fear right now, mm-hmm. and it's the creepy things that are guarding the castle right now. Yeah, like that's terrifying. <laughs> and it was received so well, so graciously, uh, and and not Dumbledore just kind of like says something and touches his nose, and Harry's like, okay. But I feel like Lupin actually like gave him something to chew on, even though Harry was still like, okay. I'm I'm sure I'm I'm wise because I'm afraid of fear. Thanks, man. Uh, but he at the same time like Dumbledore would probably say a similar thing, but there was something about like the tone of Lupin's answer that says to me he's not going to fear Harry's ability to handle something in the yeah. future yeah. versus Dumbledore. If he had said, if he'd had that conversation with Dumbledore, I feel like Dumbledore would have had a sort of like all in due time yeah. sort of a tone yeah. of like, you're not going to change my opinion of what you can handle right yeah. now. Yeah. Interesting to think that you, that you think that you can handle it. Yeah. The world sometimes seems like a place we can handle Harry. <laughs> there are many things we do not know. Uh, Dumbledore's frustrating as a character. <laughs> um, but Lupin's way cool. I like him uh, an awful lot. But that potion thing. Yeah, what is it? What is it? What is it? Okay, here's Grand Theory. Okay. Grand Theory. Lupin has lupus. <laughs> it's always lupus, Alyssa. <laughs> Either he's Voldemort. Damn it, Lupin, you have lupus. <laughs> Come on, Lupin. He has lupus, which is really pretty tricky to cure and and snape you know has to do all this stuff and he's like oh, he's got to no. brew a muggle potion a muggle potion for lupus which he's like there's not even a cure for lupus there's no even really signifying symptoms it's just for a lot lupus. of weed it's just, <laughs> it's just hash oil man it's just hash oil <laughs> it's real harsh on the way down man but it makes you feel real warm and uh <laughs> this, this whole thing is just like a dabbing rig anyway <laughs> lupus how do you even you know and and uh that's why he has so low energy on the train 
he, he's just ragged and stuff because he just can barely afford new clothes because he has lupus, oh my for God. heaven's sake. Is this the introduction of muggle disease to the wizarding world? <laughs> I love it. He's patient zero. Or is this the introduction of wizarding disease to the muggle world? <laughs> Maybe lupus is a wizard disease. It's a wizard disease. And that's why it can just be like anything to anyone, right? <gasps> oh. Uh. <laughs> It's 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 an interesting twist. I I don't know why Joanne decided to take this angle. Lupus is a strange. <laughs> people weren't really talking about it in the '90s, but I feel like this is a prolific take on a on a new character. So um, yeah, Snape's really trying to cure it, but he's he's making it up on the fly. That's for sure. He's really it seems yeah. to be working. He's he's walking with better spring in his step. Yeah, he's doing something. Maybe it's speed. <laughs> could be anything really lupus is a it's it's quite the problem to have so it's killing me so much (laughs) uh it's all in his name it's just a dead giveaway we're gonna find out in chapter 12 that it's been lupus this whole time (laughs) it's been lupus (laughs) and snape's gonna come out and be like kids i i'm afraid i have to tell you something your defense against dark archer our teacher is gone it's uh it was lupus. <laughs> you mean lupin? No, no. No. I mean, yes. I mean, it was but lupin. No. But it was lupus that, that got lupin. <laughs> uh, for, for real, though. My, lupus my, lupin. <laughs> my actual theory, though. <laughs> my, like, actual theory. I mean, I'd love to be right. <laughs> I would love so much to be right on that. <laughs> Except for I don't want Lupin to have lupus. There's that. Well, no one wants anyone to have lupus. That's the unfortunate thing about lupus, is people get it. <laughs> right? If nobody got it, lupus would just kind of be a funny thing, but, but people get it, and it sucks. Uh, so anyway. My, anyway, my actual theory, and man, I hope this wasn't like somehow one of those things that I was spoiled on, but I forgot that I was spoiled on it, so it seems like I know it when really I was just told it a long time ago. I don't think it's one of those. I think this is me just guessing based off of what the book has presented me. Who knows? But I think he's a werewolf for sure. Hmm. He's a werewolf. Tattered clothing, so it's like the Hulk type thing where it's like, yeah, he wears his clothes, but then he just turns into a werewolf and he goes out and the clothes get ripped up. And he used to buy new clothes, but then he just got so sick of ripping up his new clothes that he's like, you know what? I'm just going to be the ripped up clothes guy. And it's like, why else would he have this much more experience with creatures? Like, he's interested in studying all these dark arts and dark creatures because he is one. And that would explain, like, well, why why wouldn't he be care of magical creatures then? They were just tiring. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were. Uh, I, I think he is focused more on the dark arts because he's trying to uh, correct himself. He just became immersed in this world because he's a part of this world. This whole darker other monster thing. Um, that That is my theory. That's why he's kind of hair is must up that's why he was so tired because he probably there's some sort of some sort of lunar cycle so he had just gone through this werewolf thing so he's recovering from it that's probably why he's not letting on to what it is he's just saying like yeah some stuff's weird i take this potion that helps it's like yeah it, so maybe that was spoiled for me and this guess isn't completely out of the blue but my my standing guess is he's a werewolf um and Dumbledore knows that, and be, because he's, like I said, too good to be true, there's got to be a twist. 
there's got to be something about him that that just isn't quite right and i don't think he's voldemort um maybe he slashed the painting though come to think of it um but i don't think i thought we just saw him before they found out that the painting had been slashed but maybe not that afternoon It was that afternoon, and then Harry went back to the common room, and then Ron and Hermione were there, and they dumped candy in his lap, and then they go to the Halloween feast, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then they go back to the common room, and they go back to Gryffindor Tower, and they can't get in, because the fat lady's gone. Okay. Running around. (laughs) Maybe maybe we'll find out that there's a werewolf that slashed the picture. If that does seem to be the case, totally Lupin. Uh, If not, who knows? Uh, because his name is Lupin. Lupin, which is like Latin lupus. I can't get off that. (laughs) Generally, generally like the whole canine and and loop thing. Uh, There's usually, there's something there in the roots. I'm I'm no good with with linguistics, but I'm pretty sure that's a wolf thing. It could also be a plant. It could be a plant. Because there is a thing called blue lupin. Blue lupin. (laughs) Blue... It's a plant of the pea family. <laughs> Why do you have this pulled up? <laughs> because right. I remember that I grew up, the camp that I worked at had wild wild lupin. <laughs> they have like a family genus species on that? Uh, I don't know. It's Google. <laughs> Lupinus. Lupinus. Latin. Of, like, or relating to. A wolf or wolves. Whoa. I, have no, I, I have no idea why this that? flower is wolf-like because it does not look wolf-like. So it's a wolfberry, huh? Uh, wolf pee. Wolf pee. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> wolf pee, huh? So you can use this plant to, like mark territory. Oh. Yeah. Dense strands of lupin are necessary to ensure that enough butterflies are produced to maintain the population over time. That makes me really happy. Pro butterfly. If you're a pro Blue Lupin. That makes me very happy. Yeah, Lupin. Also, they're in the legume family. I'm learning way too much about this plant right now. I'm sorry. It's a pea. Of course it's it's in the legume family. Well, peas are pulse. They're pulse Yeah, they're pulse beans. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, Lupin, that's a wolf thing. He's got to be a werewolf. So, okay. So, if that's the case. Okay. And so, one, does Snape know what he's bringing a potion for? Yep. Two, why was that not a giant red flag? Why is it a problem? We'll find out later. We'll, we'll he have just to sla- it, Well, he's apparently just slashed a painting in your eyes, so... I, I if think... nothing else, he's a homewrecker. <laughs> That's true. That's a different word for some people, for other things. Uh, <laughs> but... Um... Maybe Lupin is a home wrecker. Maybe he's moving in on McGonagall and Hagrid's like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> She's my lady. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. Too good. Oh. Uh, I think, yeah, Snape, everyone has their stuff, man. Everyone has their baggage, and they really need that position filled, and he's so good at it. It's he's just, just a just werewolf. They're just desperate. They're just going to hire the werewolf. But they, he's a smart werewolf, I mean. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, if they can get this potion to where they can make it so it's more predictable, then what's the problem, really? 
Yeah, like, when, whenever the moon is full, you let him go do his thing, comes back, what's the big deal? Who does it hurt? You know, it's, I'm sure they've employed plenty of people like that with weird things. They seem to be a pretty accepting workplace. And and just turning into a wolf a couple days a month, like, that's really... I wonder uh, if it interferes with his job. Well, I'm sure it seems, I mean, it seems like it might. It seems like that might be a plot line and, and a false flag in the story um because it's too it's it's a bit too early for series to be lurking about we need some sort of pseudo villain in the meantime and i think that will be this this wolf thing that's crawling around that's just been my theory uh it, it helps when i reread the chapter i i catch some things uh <laughs> but um speaking of predictions um hermione had this this hair splitting moment with lavender not hair splitting that's wrong uh no splitting hairs that is that's a thing oh yeah she she broke every single little detail down of like hmm how old's this bunny that just died you oh, really young. you were you were dreading that a baby bunny was gonna die that's a really? weird that thing just to seems dread. like yeah but then why didn't a dead bunny like a dead baby bunny come out of the wardrobe then huh the wardrobe opens and the Bogart just says, dead baby rabbit. Dread is not the same as a worse fear, first of all. Also, that's How messed very up sad. would that be? How screwed up would that be? It's just dead rabbit laying there. That's a really oh, sad thought. That's so sad. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I, I, would, I would argue that... Uh, Anyway, I guess the, the reason we're bringing that up is um, on the Triolani prediction count, of which there were seven mm. last episode, we missed one because mm. we scam, skimmed, we time jumped right right over it. We, let's do the time warp again. Because she predicted that Neville would be late the next class period and mm-hmm. he would need to do, I don't remember what else he needed to do, but like do yeah. something next time when you're late. And well, pretty much like study hard because you're going to be late and miss something or something. No, like it that. it was something like pick a different chair next time. Oh, I don't remember something like that. What it was, but it, it was yeah. something like that. Anyway, we time jumped over that, so we don't know about that one. So, so, but other than that, there were there were seven, there were six predictions. Other than that, and we are one for six so far of supposedly yeah <laughs> accurate because apparently that was the thing that Lavender was dreading. But Hermione doubts that that's the thing that she was dreading. But it is October 16th, and something, yeah. and the news came. I don't know. What do you think? Does this count? <laughs> I I think it's the whole thing where Trelawney, you know, if if she was pinpoint accuracy, you will find out your pet animal died on the 16th. Yeah, that'd be one thing. But, but she's speaking, I, I think... She did sense that something bad would happen on the 16th. I really do. I think that she knew that. It's just she didn't know any more details. So she kind of fluffed it up a bit. You're, you're the thing you've been dreading. When in reality, it was probably just this pulse of something bad will happen. But she kind of like amplified it and, and put a spin on it. And it's like that thing you're dreading. It's going to happen this day. I think she was putting on a show like she always does. Apparently, the first day of every every year she always puts on a bit of a show so i think yeah she knew something was going to happen on the 16th excuse me it was going to be bad but um i think she 
overstated it and and lavender was just so willing to run with the premise that that it made sense you know it's it's like horoscopes where it's like once you've convinced someone that they're a certain personality type then it's easier to write to that personality type Mm -hmm. like yeah you convince the scorpios that they're bold and whatever so it's just like it's way easier to tell them your boldness will take you somewhere today because they're already like yeah i'm a bold person because that's that's I'm a Scorpio. So it's like, it's way more willing. So it's like, yeah, you just pitch the idea. Something terrible will happen when you know something just kind of bad is going to happen and, and let them kind of fill in the rest of like, yes, this is the thing I was dreading. I don't know. I think she's letting them do half the work for her. Yeah. I sort of wonder if, if Lavender described it or, or like she's focusing on, my bunny died. Yeah. But the thing that actually happened on October 16th was she got really bad news in an owl from her parents. Yeah. yeah. And maybe the thing she was dreading was just plain like being at school and something terrible happening to her family outside yeah. school that Could she be. has no control over. And that's the day that she learns that it happens. Or like maybe it is even that specific is something you've been dreading. It's just she's highlighting uh, the cause of the dread, not the dread itself. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I think at the end of the day, Hermione, that's a losing fight. Even if Hermione does pick it to pieces and be like, "Well, actually, you're fighting well, a true actually, believer. They're not. You're not going to persuade them otherwise." Yeah, but even like fighting fighting something so vague, it's like, nope, something you've been dreading did happen. Like you said, you found out that something bad happened. Like there's so it's left so general that you're just never going to win that argument. Um, I guess you could also make the argument of professor Trialani put the notion in her head that something bad is going to happen on that. Day, and now she ha- is dreading something bad that will happen on that day. And so she made herself a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy there. The power of negative thinking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think Trelawney is a bit legit. I think that having someone like Trelawney is is too powerful of a writing tool for Joanne to discredit her so easily. I, I think that that she is so good for um, foreshadowing. We need her to have a certain level of of credibility because if everything just doesn't happen and it's you know completely, you could write off everything she says. Well, then where's the fun in that? Where's the fun in that? Because why even have her talk about predictions if she's unreliable? So I think Joanne is going to use her as as, a, as the tool that she is. Why even talk talk about her? Uh, why even have her talk about predictions if she's unreliable? We just had a whole year of, def- of defense against the dark arts. <laughs> yeah, that's Talking true. Talking about defending the gar- defending against the dark arts, but having no understanding of it. Yeah, that's true. Turns out the darkest art is, is lupus all along. <clears throat> lupus and lying. Lupus and lying. And giant snakes. Mm. So what's your favorite quote? What's my favorite quote? <laughs> Shoot. Um, let, me, let me flip through real quick without looking at the chapter names for future chapters because there's spoilers. Uh, hmm. I... <laughs> I guess it was just this little moment because um, this is another example of um, Joanne's good writing, but it was on page 157. It's during the conversation that Harry has 
with Lupin and, and Harry tries to go about this route of, of saying like, maybe your drink's poisoned, but he does it in such a way where what Harry ends up saying is Professor Snape's very interested in the dark arts. <laughs> <laughs> and and then Lupin's which is such a weird neutral like for Harry it had all this weight all of this like read into it he wants your job he's giving you a potion you have no idea what's in it you should probably not drink this potion because you have no idea because he wants your job and like that's that's what was going through Harry's head but instead he said Snape's really interested in this and and Lupin's like yeah <laughs> how says, about that really <laughs> said Lupin, looking only mildly interested as he took another gulp of potion. It's just like all of this thought that's going into Harry's head and, and just Lupin's response is like, really? And then he drinks another sip of potion. It's, it's pretty much like, cool story, bro. Like, <laughs> I am not putting the pieces together. You are dropping down. Yeah. Like, fun fact there, buddy. Fun fact. Well, <laughs> Snape's interested in dark arts. Cool. Yeah, no, we, we talk about it sometimes. It's a locker room talk. It's a... <laughs> it's interesting stuff so that, that I just love that little moment because Harry is trying so hard to put so much in everything without actually without accusing actually... Snape of mm-hmm. trying to poison him yeah. like he, do- he doesn't want to be an alarmist he doesn't mm-hmm. want to accuse him of something that he maybe hasn't done but he wants him to be just wary enough to stay safe yeah so he just drops this little hint which is a complete non- sentence not relevant to anything and lupin lupin handles it exactly like he should where he's like huh okay how about that (laughs) so i really enjoyed that moment um what was your favorite quote uh mine's from the page before and it's it's right after harry asked lupin like why didn't you let me handle the boggart and and lupin and he tells lupin like i honestly like i thought i was going to be a dementor and Mm. Lupin says, well, you know, like, that's very wise. It, that shows that you, your deepest fear is fear. Uh-huh. Ah, yes. And Harry's response is so great. Harry didn't know what to say to that, so he drank some more tea. <laughs> I love that, too. <laughs> yes. Like, I know, I know this feeling. The, like, <laughs> rather than saying... Uh, uh, so I don't even know where to find the words. Give me the tea. Yeah. Where's the tea? I need to think about that for a minute. Yep. I loved that moment too because how real is that? That that is that is the thing that good movies do right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is they have little moments of of and good books too. Of discomfort. But the but also of of people acting like people actually act. Because in that moment, yeah, you're uncomfortable, so you don't you don't stammer and be like, uh, but 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 what what do you mean by fear? He's just like, mm, tea. <laughs> it's just this great real moment. I love yep, it. It's I loved good it stuff. so much. Yeah. I was like, this is <clears throat> this is my soul right now. <laughs> like, Alyssa doesn't know what to say, so she drank more tea. <laughs> yeah, that made me happy. Man, good quotes. <clears throat> so uh what do we what do we have to say to the world out there do we have any questions what what are people's uh bogarts yeah what what's your bogart bogart can we not say bogart isn't bogart a thing too like humphrey yeah i think bogart has one g yeah. Bogart has two okay and a bogart is I, more of like a troll thing isn't it i mean i no they're the same thing um oh 
the did I grew up reading a book called The Bogart and I always yeah. thought that it was The Bogart. Yeah. Um and then I saw it spelled this way and I, I there's something about it that that it seems like it should be Bogart, not Bogart. Okay. Well, it's probably just a, a UK thing, right? I, uh, well, the the book that I read that was The Bogart was oh. set in Scotland. Oh, okay. So, I think it's it's Scottish folklore, but I'm not positive on that. Isn't he isn't Bogart where we derived bogeyman, boogeyman? Isn't that the kind of order there? Maybe. Start off as Bogart and then it became the bogeyman and then bogeyman is weird for kids to say so they're like more like boogeyman and then it took off because boogie is funny well bogey and boogie <clears throat> are the same just different um different cultures in, in, in the uk <laughs> in the uk your snot's called bogies really <laughs> yes what is what is it when you score one above your golf par <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I'm sure there's <laughs> probably still a bogey. It's probably still a bogey because yeah. it's Scottish. That is a Scottish sport. Huh. So So it's kinda like saying you boogered it. Uh one <laughs> swing I'm over, sh- you really boogered it. Ah, too funny. Yeah, but people, <laughs> tell us your darkest fears over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could go wrong Nothing there. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Just let Nothing. us know uh, let us know what you're afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> Over Twitter. Um yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else to ask. I don't think there is. <laughs> That's uh, so that's what you're stuck with. That's so, what you're stuck with. Uh, uh, when we hear a whole lot of nothing from the internet, we know why. We <laughs> understand why you did not tweet us at WordstruckPod. <laughs> or at me, at Alyssa Small, or at Clark or Hodges. at Clark Hodges. We completely understand if you don't tweet us this time around. But you could email us. You could email us at, at WordstruckPodcast at gmail.com. That would do the trick. Um, Although we'll probably just read it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> listener oscar said my deepest fear is uh just kidding just kidding except for if you do send it we will so (laughs) (laughs) this is off the rails we are gonna get flooded with responses thank you so much for listening you guys have a good night (laughs) bye everybody (laughs) oh my god